This is iFanboy Pick of the Week, number 915, brought to you by iFanboy listeners like you. We know a place where no planes go. We know a place where no ships go. No cars go. I am Josh Flanagan, and I am here with my co-host and pal, fellow Jamoke, and all-around mensch, Connor Kilpatrick. Pal's pushing you. You fucking asshole. Let's just not be too familiar. <laughs> this is a work environment. <laughs> sure, you wouldn't feel anything, robot. Ooh, my computer just switched to night mode. Uh, <laughs> Which is odd, because it's been night for quite some time. I am job. Wait, I said that. <laughs> it threw me all off with that. I didn't expect it. Uh, every week, one of us picks the one, the book they like the best. This is my fanboy pick of the week, episode 915. I told you I was off. That's okay. Uh, every so week, one of us picks the book that they, this is all going to be entirely, what's the personal version of platonic? Like The personal version of no, like platonic is like when you're professional. When you're, yeah, it will be completely professional. It'll be impersonal. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. From now on, we will treat each other like colleagues. No more stories. Which is what pretty much my entire job was like last year. <laughs> There's a book that's the pick of the week. It's the best one that uh, one of us picked from their stack of Doesn't comics. Doesn't mean you should read robotically. No, that was just that was just general frustration that I'm still doing this part. <laughs> We're going to talk about that book on the books of the week. The Patreon you mean after 18 mail. years or just It's going to be fun. That Yes. Uh, here's your spoiler <laughs> warning. We're going to talk about the books. So if you haven't read them, you know, it's on you, dude. Exercise caution. Connor, you are the picker. I am. And this was a week with, I had, I had a good number of books uh, that I think increased by the end. I kept adding books to the list. So I think I had around 20 books and it was solid. Yeah. It started at like 20 and I think I added a couple too. It was a solid week. It wasn't amazing. It wasn't bad. It wasn't like we had that week a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And when I finished, I had, a, I had a whole bunch of books I really enjoyed. But the one I really enjoyed the most was Petrol Head number four, which I think is the best one since the first issue, at least for me. As I'm really starting to get my head around the world and the story being told, mm-hmm. it's been fairly manic, you know, as a book about robot race car drivers should be mm-hmm. up until this point. And we're going to talk about that again with a different book. But I laughed several times in this issue. I thought the opening sort of cold open where we saw the sort of the origin of this is the <laughs> said this last time. It's not the big O. It's the O. The O. Yeah, the O. <laughs> the big not O the is orgasm. different. He's a robot who's meant to sort of maintain the society. They're city administrators. Their sole purpose is to protect the population of the ozone, which is the bubble city inside this polluted society. I mean, it's the AI, it's the AI fear. That's what yes. the, it's not even a metaphor. It's just, it's just the AI fear, but they're a little, um, like landed gentry. They're a little, <laughs> they're a little <laughs> upper class snobby about things. And they, so they test them by putting these criminals inside these bubbles outside the safe zone. And their job is to keep them alive, getting them whatever they need and they want. It's like training. Mm-hmm. And the guy inside the bubble's like, listen, you gotta let me out. I, I've been inside so long. I haven't been this close to outside before. I can taste it. Just let me out. I can't go back in. I can't do it. And so the, the O just just kills him. And so there's a full page, sort of splash page of 
the administrators have been like, who, what, who did that? What happened? And then they, they, all the other robots turn and point at the O. And he's like, what? I just laughed. I thought the uh-huh. body language was funny. I thought the absurd image of all these other robots standing and pointing at him was weird mm-hmm. and also kind of funny. And then I just loved everything about the rest of the comic. With Petrolhead needing Hybrid, the character we met last issue, he needs this guy to go. So he goads him into racing his nemesis. So that he can steal a car. It turns out the car is this dinky old bus with three wheels. I thought everything about this was terrific. And then at the end, we have this sort of, not heist, but a infiltration mission where they they have to get the nanobots that will help save the atmosphere out into the air. And to do that, they have to go up this tower. And they send their little bird friend, who we've been seeing the whole time, is Petra has a little bird friend to go up there and scout it out. I thought the art showing him getting progressively dirtier as he flew up into the dirty air was interesting and kind of disturbing. I thought he was rotting, like he was rusting through. He was disintegrating. Was he disintegrating? I just thought he was just getting dirtier and dirtier because he's flying through the smog. I think that's correct because when he came back down, he was okay. I thought he was like being rotted away or something. But I think what well, it doesn't saying, matter because the doesn't big matter. catches him and crushes him. And I, I genuinely was, I felt it. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh no. I thought this was a great issue. Again, Rob Williams is doing really spectacular work, but Pi Par, man, he's doing yeah. everything, the art and the letters. This book is The letters, terrific. too? Yeah. They added that part. I'd like to take credit for that, but probably not. But they added letters to his credit That's, this month. I mean, they're good letters. Yeah. Yeah, I think that this issue was one where really not a lot happened in terms of the plot moving forward after the three issues of you know, literally moving forward. Yep. But you back up, you, there's, there's sort of two or three major scenes that take place. The thing with the O and the prisoner, that one page, nine-panel grid of the man's desperation and how it grows in his fear and the way that, you want to talk about art there, look what he does with the faces and with the tears and, mm-hmm. you know, this just poor schlub. And it's not entirely clear what the O robot did. Look like he opened the door and the toxic air killed him. Uh-huh. I, I guess, don't know. That's yeah. what it looks like. Oh, he let him out. Well, he let the air in. He dies inside the bubble. Right, but the guy was asking to be let out, so he opened yeah. the door. Right. I guess. And and it's really interesting that these robots, their charge is to take care of the people, mm-hmm. but they don't necessarily have any sympathy for people or care about you know what i mean right they're cold robots the more that i look at this like the more fucking british this is (laughs) and it doesn't seem like when you read it you you know you you don't necessarily get that but sort of that idea that the ruling class of people who are in charge they don't understand anything about how people are but they think they're doing the right thing for them all the time and that is their sacred charge (laughs) they've got the little cockney what is it ai assistant yeah yeah the little hologram thing (laughs) it's like an excuse to get that in there Oh, he said, you know, the ridiculous vehicle, which all, which like the little three-wheeled thing, it reminds me of one of those Top Gear bits where they had the, you know, the three-wheeled Reliant Robin and it was just about being shitty. I don't know. It's a, it's a heck of a book. A lot of it is very standard sci-fi. I don't, I'm trying to figure out what, what flavor of sci, dystopian sci-fi, I guess. Yeah, for sure. But just done with a very deft hand. Well, there's a lot of humor in it, which helps. It is. Takes the edge off the dystopian part. It does, but but I, I just, like, you can read it on one level, and I think when I read it this week, I didn't, I liked it. I liked it fine, you know, but now as we, you made the pick, we go back, we look at it more in depth, and, and I'm like, that's really just, 
a lot of subtly excellent craft happening here. You can read it on the fun level. And then just you poke in just a little bit and you start to see, oh, these are the metaphors. This is the thing that's going on. You know, here's the emotion. I mean, look at the cover. Jesus, it's terrifying. Yes. <laughs> well, the design is terrifying because it's that cold, yeah. unblinking eye that goes all mm-hmm. the way back to Hal. Yeah. You know, and it, it's the terror that we all feel about the robots, right? It's right. It's what people are afraid of mm-hmm. about AI. It's, it's that it'll become this cold, unfeeling, unblinking red eye that will kill us all. You see on on page two when the all the robots are lined up to do the thing. Second panel is activating power grids, and they have the little like not quite the spinny beach ball, but it pretty much is as those guys boot up. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's a little detail. Well, that's man. part of it. I think the visual world building here is mm-hmm. excellent. Yeah. I mean, he's spending a lot of time designing how these robots look internally. Like, I mean, if you look at the page mm-hmm. where they're all pointing at the big it's not the big o just the o the o <laughs> i mean there's cables everywhere the main one is the big o right if not there's, in name there's cables everywhere there's pan- mm-hmm. like this is a very thought out environment there's these hovering whatever these hovering cameras are or whatever mm-hmm. and their cubicles for lack of a better word are all really designed like it's all very heavily designed there's a lot of thought being put into this it's true, but l- let's note, it's like, let's put robes on them. Why? I don't want to draw the rest of it. <laughs> I'll do the head and the arms, but put fucking robes on it. also gives them this strange imperial no, it, it works. feeling, right? Yeah. Even purple is a very imperial color. But also, like, it plays off the fact that most of this world is that sickly green. And so all the colors in here are sort of meant to be complementary of that, but pop out from it. Right. I also really liked how Petrolhead basically manipulates hybrid into racing. What is this robot's name? Uh, Super robot winner. Superstar car. Yeah. Supercar star. Supercar star. Not a lot of thought put into those two names. But But whichever. I liked the manipulation where he goes from this guy Mm -hmm. is like freaking out because he sees his nemesis too. He pumps him up. Mm -hmm. You can do this. You can. It's it's like um, like an 80s movie. It's like like better off dead, you know. He's better than her at breaking. What are you better at her at? Well, breaking. Well, that's it. I'm better at breaking. I'm going to outbreak her. <laughs> that's not how you win races. <laughs> it's the opposite way of you win races. The thing is, you can be good you at breaking. You need smart breaking, yes. You, you have to breaking. be good at the other thing also. Yes. Yeah, the other one's not good for him. Yeah. Lower charisma, much lower bravery, which makes yeah. sense. Well, yeah, he was afraid. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed my way through it and then again marveled at the just the amount of work. That, this, this is the kind of work where you're afraid that Pipar can't keep it up. It's also the kind of work where I'm afraid like 7,000 people are reading this. <laughs> right. Well, you know? yeah, that's how it goes. I don't give my heart to these books very deeply because I know. We also got a lot of information about the girl and the nanobites. You know, like she found the, she finds the tube, nanobots. She finds the tube in her backpack and it's full of these nanobots that will help clean up the atmosphere and We've got more information now about what's actually happening and why the robots are trying to stop her. And it was just really fun. And it's a beautiful book. Mm-hmm. It really is. It's a delight. Ropo. The robot police. The Ropo. <laughs> the Ropo. Not the Popo. They're the Ropo. I found myself very intrigued that you put Dutch number one on here. Yeah. New Joe Casey book. Which apparently a new universe. Could I took not, a flyer not have been. on it. And this is... There seems to be, you know, we're far enough along, we're far enough past the time, the 90s are back in style, that this is the, at least the second book that I'm aware of that revisits 
the early 90s period of Image. And Dutch was a character. Oh, okay. Dutch was a character on Youngblood, I think. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what it is. And I didn't, I don't remember Dutch. I had hoped this was an Ed O'Neill spinoff. <laughs> it wasn't. You're making a lot of Dutch references lately. I watched it not too recently, but I have always had a soft spot for Dutch. It's a great film. And uh, as he says, nothing burps better than bacon. But the thing is, none of that really mattered in the same way that Local Man, the excellent, excellent book that Team Sealy is doing that revisits that time period with real characters and I think fake characters. I'm, I'm not quite sure. I didn't stick with early image very long. Mm-hmm. It hit me at the right time where I was like 13, 14, and then very quickly aged out of it. I didn't stick with it that long. I don't even think I ever saw this Dutch character. But it didn't really matter. If this character had been totally made up, it was fine. This is the character of Dutch now aged sort of 20 years later and he's sort of a super soldier-esque character with a cyborg arm and he's returning to his old military government sponsored team because someone's trying to kill him he's trying to warn him and none of them care and it was just a really i thought well done issue i thought the art from simon gain was terrific now is that a person who was around then or is that a new i'm looking it up as i ask about it wouldn't have been someone who would have drawn that book british artist he doesn't look Terribly young. Looks like a British artist. Punk fanzine, various mini comics in 2000. He did Graphic Classics Illustrated. He did Vertigo Comics. He did The Vinyl Underground. I kind of remember that. He illustrated a five-issue comic series written by Andy Watson. Okay. He did a Northlanders in there. So he's not like new. He's he's uh, he's a guy who came out of the 90s the and the early 2000s. I don't know if he always had this style. It's definitely... It's a mid two thousands vertigo style. Yes, I would. Yes, but also that that also works really modern. It reminds me of a bunch of different artists without me being able to pin down with who they are. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm like I, I saw like there's bits. I saw a quick bit of of Sean Phillips in there, and then like a little, even a little bit of like Ryan Otley in places. It's really interesting and, and well done. I thought it served the story extremely well. Yeah, I thought it was really good. The storytelling is strong, the acting is good, and also the 90s aesthetic, but in a way that isn't aping the art, but Mm -hmm. it's still, it's clear what it is. He did three issues of Northlanders. Interesting. He did, They're Not Like Us, written by Eric Stevenson. Huh. He did Ghost Tree. Remember Ghost Tree? Yeah. From IDW? Interesting. It's been around. I haven't read a Joe Casey book in a while. I really liked it. I mean, he's the guy for this. Yeah, I like his sensibility. I like that it's slightly subversive. There's a whole bit here about how society sort of prepares young men for war. Yeah. And I thought it was fun. I'm enjoying these look backs at that time period. That sort of pays homage to that period, but, you know, reinvents the characters for the modern age. Is not embarrassed about that time period, but realizes mm-hmm. that the time period's way in the past. I think it'll be interesting to, you know, because everything does come in circles. And I think that there have been a lot of not tributes and not references to but i think there have been a lot of people who have tried to do that kind of book Mm -hmm. just straight up over the years and usually it's not that great or it's a person who did books then and comes back to do them and there's been no growth to it it's just that thing which in many instances wasn't very good there were things in there that were good. There were good things about it. But, you know, overall, not my favorite aesthetic for a comic book era. But if you're going to come into it now, however many years later, with hindsight, with talent, and you're going to sort of take bits of that 
and comment on it while doing it, not making fun of it, not satire, mm-hmm. that could be interesting. Yeah. Not a lot. It's not my favorite, but, you know, we did that with the 80s. We did that with the 70s. We've definitely done that with the 60s. So now it's time for the 90s. Yeah, I guess. That's just the circle of life. Yeah. Transformers number five. This is the book I was referring to earlier where it's been running at full speed. It hasn't really stopped to take a breath. No. And normally I get kind of annoyed by that because I, I want and need those breath stopping issues, kind of like what Petrohead was. But Daniel Warren Johnson's so good at that kind of propulsive comic book storytelling. And mm-hmm. good it's word. the Transformers, so I have enough of a grasp on it, even if it's not as strong as, say, G.I. Mm-hmm. Joe. Like, I don't necessarily understand how they're resurrecting all these guys with this machine, but it doesn't really matter. It's a hydropower. That's all. <laughs> that I understood. I just don't understand what the machine is doing, but it doesn't really they matter. They converted it. No, no, I understand how they're getting power to the machine. I don't understand what the machine then does. It converts. <laughs> it rebuilds and converts. And what's your problem here? It converted. I don't have a problem. I'm just saying I don't understand what's happening. Do you know how in Top Gun they inverted? Here they convert. <laughs> I rewatched Top Gun Maverick recently, and it still fucking holds up, and it was awesome. <laughs> this was great, though. The Constructicons showed up, and they made Gigantor. No, oh, sorry, they made Devastator. Devastator. You son of a bitch. That was the moment where I was like, oh, there's no, there's no holds barred here. This is, <laughs> this is delightfully shameless yeah. in what it is. And we're just going to do this. We're going to throw these characters at you and never stop moving because this is what you want. And I was like, we do want that. It's no <laughs> surprise that he's not drawing the second arc because. Who could do it? <laughs> right. We talked about it. We don't, we don't want this to kill him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm looking at the Devastator reveal page. is terrific. There's the panel where Optimus is carrying uh, RC. Is it RC? RC's body up. And yeah. It's all white in the background, and he's sort of fading out of the white, which I thought was really beautiful. Optimus using Megatron's gun arm to blow up Decepticons. Mm-hmm. There's a lot. The panel where what's her name is falling off the dam. RC. Carly. Oh, Carly. Right. 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 RC drives down the dam and does the patented from the movie opening the door so the human can fall in trick mm-hmm. there's just some wonderful stuff in here i know we yeah, keep saying it and harping on it but it really is the part where i really i don't want to say understood what was going on but you have the constructicon show up just beat the fuck out of optimus oh Prime. my god they're gonna be devastator because devastator <laughs> is understandably devastating and right. what i was thinking in a completely serious way was they have no way to stop them <laughs> they don't I really thought I was like sort of going through. I was like, there's no equivalent. Like maybe there is, but he's not around. Is there, was there an, the Decepticons kind of had cooler guys, right? Characters. You know, you had the Devastator, you had like the Jet. I mean, when you're a kid, the Jets were cooler than the cars. And you're like, how are they going to beat the Jets? They have right. missiles and they go very fast. <laughs> and the only way to do it was by stealing Megatron's gun. So think about that. I really laughed when so the Decepticons get their machine working. The whole thing has been this race to get their the machines to fit, get built so they can repair each other because they showed up on Earth all broken. And <laughs> Starscream gets, you know, the machine gets working and he's all excited and Soundwave's like, we're going to start with, with this guy. <laughs> and <laughs> Starscream kicks Ravage across the room. Not him. Fat chance. I just laughed. Like, it says punt. Soundwave is, that's his buddy. Yeah. He like, that was like, chest. he's like, we'll start with this one. <laughs> like, like, he was just <laughs> trying to be cool about it, but like, it's his dog. 
Right. (laughs) I got to tell you, the best thing in this issue is, you know, Autobots are going to roll out. And I think there was a moment where I thought he was about to say roll out, but he didn't actually say it. And I was like, that's okay. But they're moving along. They get to the base. This is where you came here in. The spaceship sticking out of the mountain like the the cartoon. And all of a sudden, there's an impact. And you switch that page and the uh, i don't know the constructor con's name but the dump truck one has yeah. just wrecked optimus prime and it says heavy metal yeah. i want more sound effects like that what's really interesting is that daniel warren johnson did do a power bomb right and he just yep. let it all fly and he brought it directly from that book into this book he didn't do this other stuff he's done has been great but you know he wasn't doing this in um the beta ray bill book like right. he did the he did the wrestling book and he's like, well, we're going to use this aesthetic in Transformers, <laughs> and I think it makes it really fun. Would you Duh. like to know the names of the Constructicons? I'm going to know them when you say them, but Scrapper is the okay. front end loader. Bone Crusher yeah. is the bulldozer. Scavenger okay. is the excavator. Mixmaster is the cement mixer. Yeah, obviously. Hook is the crane, and Long Haul is the dump truck. That's ironic because that is not a long haul type of dump no, truck. No, that is terrible gas mileage. Yeah. Yeah, I think those are very specifically short haul. Look at the posture on Optimus Prime on that last page. He just got fucked up by... I know, he's beat. Long haul. He's like, ugh. And, you know, Devastator, not looking tired. Hasn't really taken any hits. He's fine. There's a page here where... It's page uh, 17 on your digital reader where Starscream yells retreat. And I think they did that just because... For me. (laughs) It's because it's it's the same voice as Cobra Commander. Cobra Commander always yelled retreat. He would say it too, but the thing right. is, in, in this instance, it wasn't a cowardly retreat. It was like, we did our thing, so let's back it up. It was a good retreat. It was but also a, because he got, he got the hell blasted out of him by Optimus Prime, because uh, he's hurt. He's like, we got to retreat now. Yeah. And they fly That's off. True. You're right, you're right. It was good. It was good. I do think that the Autobots had better robot designs. Mm-hmm. They looked cooler when they were in robot form, as opposed to the Decepticons, who were kind of cool. Although... Their main guy was a radio, so or a tape deck, really. It's a boombox. It was the 80s. It was cool as shit, though. It's so funny how transparent that was. God, I remember being eight or, you know, eight or ten or whatever, and just the scale. I couldn't work past. I was like, the scale's all wrong. I didn't even know the word for scale. Yeah, no, yeah. It was I'm, a boombox the size of a truck. When you watched it on the cartoon, all the things were the correct size. You Matter could hold and Megatron. Pliant on the cartoon. Megatron was a giant robot who turned into a tiny gun somehow. But they just didn't explain it. They were like, just accept this. And we were like, okay. We didn't care. I cared, but not enough to not like it. I want to point out that something's going on with Comixology slash Amazon, the app formerly known as Comixology. Okay. Because Transformers, which we just talked about, came out in comic stores this week, but it's not coming out on the Kindle until next week. Same thing with another book we're going to talk about later. This week I got Traveling to Mars on the Kindle when it came out comic stores last week. So there's something going on where it's not affecting other digital distributors, but it's only affecting Mm -hmm. books on the Kindle from some publishers. It's very strange. Mm -hmm. So something weird is happening. So if you, if you're reading through that, you're not, and you didn't read transformers, I'm sorry. They don't still do the thing where you can buy it directly. Right. Remember there was Ron set that up. I don't think they they do that anymore. No, you could buy the, they don't because they've gone to look. You you could just buy the, the, I was going to say the MP3s, the PDFs. Yeah. I also almost said MP3. The runner-up to pick of the week was The Displaced from Boom Studios, number one. No kidding. Ed Brisson and Luca Casalanguida. Oh, I practiced that. Casalanguida. She's a uh, German. The house of the languids. 
Yeah. <laughs> this was terrific. This yeah. This is really good. This is uh, almost sort of the follow-up to The Salt and Sea, different publisher, but that's kind of how I saw it. How so? I don't mean the follow-up directly. I mean, didn't Ed Brisson write that? Like, I feel like this is like his next step Possibly. in, I, th- I think he does pretty good mainstream stuff, but I think that uh, his indie series are real good, and also it's, it's where I've seen his progression the best. So it was yeah. like a lot of the things that I liked about the Salton Sea, I think were here and they were both really spectacular first issues, but I, this was an even stronger first issue than that. Oh, this is a really good first issue. It was an incredible first issue. So when I say follow like this is his his next thing. I'm just wincing waiting for whatever the aliens yeah. twist is going to be that's going to make me like it less. Well, it's something, but at least it's up front. Right. Like, some weird shit's going on. One old man knows about it. The sort of what is happening builds very slowly over the course of the issue. Yeah, I thought the pacing was really terrific. And pays off in a way that by the time you get to the issue, you, much like the characters who we have met, who are great characters, we get to know them. They are unique. They they each have their own personality. You know where they're coming from. And they are freaked out as we are freaked out. Super strong first issue. The story is Oshawa, Ontario. Takes place in Oshawa, Ontario, Canada. It's late at night. It's two in the morning. Some guys are out drinking. Well, first an old man steals a school bus and crashes through the fence and runs off. And you think it's just some random ultraviolence. But no, there's a purpose. We find out. Then we go to Ajax, Ontario at a bar where two friends from high school, or who've known each other at least since high school, are having drinks. And they're discussing the weirdo across the bar who they also went to high school with who... He sits very stoically, which is weird. That's got to come back around, right? Oh, for sure. Then we see new parents in Oshawa, Ontario again, get up in the middle of the night because the kid's awake and the dad forgot to get the diapers uh, so they don't have any. So the mom says, I'm going to go get them. So then she's out in Whitby, Ontario. All these names are important. I guarantee you Ed Brisson has at least one kid because that (laughs) scene was written by some motherfucker who knows. So she's off getting the diapers from Happy's 24-hour drug mart where she also picks up some cigarettes and has a cigarette. And I think that was a really nice character moment. All of the character work here was spectacular. I would have been fine just hanging out with all these people. Yeah. So then the old man turns the bus perpendicular to the road, pours gasoline on it, sets it on fire, blocking the main guy from the bar from getting home, actually getting to the hospital where his father's had a stroke. He can't get past the bus. Then the mother is on the phone with her husband and crashes her car into the back of this whole mess. Meanwhile, some sort of earthquake happens that freaks everybody out. turns out the earthquake was a giant sinkhole opening up, swallowing the entire town. And everyone who was outside the town survived. Oshawa is now gone. So now they're all in like Canadian FEMA, you know, trailers and everything. And the old man says, we got to get out of here to the main guy. And he's like, what the hell is it? Because it's all going to get worse. This has happened before. He He lists all these places around the world where it's happened and he guys like i've never heard of those places this is exactly they sound like real places and then he goes those aren't real places and i went hey they're not <laughs> and he says exactly everyone forgets they always forget and so slowly um as everyone here is dealing with the trauma of this town and hundreds of thousands of people you know sinking into the ground other people start forgetting so the, the mothers talks to her, her in-laws who thought she was out cheating on her husband. How wild would she be out of that house at 2 or 30 in the morning? And then the next time she talks to him, they don't know who she is or, or the husband or the kid. You know, your son, Gary. <laughs> Gary. 
Oh god, that scene. So then turns out we skip some things that there's another rumble, another earthquake, and the earth seals itself back up. It's not that the town came back up, it's that it basically stitched itself shut. The town that was ten kilometers away is now right next to them. Oshawa's gone and it's it's vanished and people have forgotten it existed except for the people the four or five people that are in the main group. Which which includes this blonde girl who I don't even know where she came from. She just all of a sudden appeared. That was the only thing that was a little confusing. That's what blonde girls get to do. <laughs> so, I mean, we just spoiled the whole thing. But it was a really well done sort of creeping psychological horror, psychological sci-fi horror story with amazing character stuff. And I really liked it. It was very good. I'm really glad. It's a great book. Looked great. Great Even color. The rest great of the, mood. The rest of the series is no good. This mm-hmm. one issue will be great. Yeah. Hey, if you like what you're listening to, make sure you, uh, and you're able, and you're willing, uh, you can help support the show in a bunch of different ways. There's patreon.com slash ifanboy. You can directly support the show with money. Unlock shows for everybody to become part of a great community. They're already unlocked. We got to change that word. <laughs> it happened. They're not, they're not going anywhere. People wanted to send in baked goods, but then I realized that's a whole can of worms. It is. I mean, then we're given address, or I got to go get a P.O. box. Then it's well, then I, but fit. I have to have my neighbor test them first. Like, here, have a cupcake. Yeah, you didn't like X-Men 3. <laughs> they don't die, and then I, I say, okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> they don't die right away, though. Like, how long do you wait? It's going to go stale. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I got dark incredibly <laughs> fast. <laughs> the thing here, though, is you're supporting the show. It's a great community. We've always had the best community. It is not indicative of what the internet is like. If the internet was like our community, we would be living in a utopia. Right. Those exist on Discord and Facebook. Our community has moved to many different venues over the years. It's a dysporia. <laughs> is that diaspora. the right word? Is that diaspora? Diaspora. Diaspora. Dysporia it is just like sounds you. wrong to say diaspora. Yeah. Well, it's like a dysporia sounds like a really bad place that is spread out, which is what the world is. There's a monthly patron hangout. That is a good time. That put me in a good mood the other night. It was fun. Do it a two-hour one. The yearly membership, if you want to do it all at once, is 10% off. There's tier exclusive, exclusive, <laughs> there's tier explosive merch. At $5 higher, you get a patron power, you get on the list and access to the Discord server. $10 or higher, you get access to the ad-free feed of the show. That's patreon.com slash ifanboy over at ifanboy.threadless.com. They have 13 designs to be put on shirts and stuff. ifanboy.com slash support takes direct donations via PayPal link. ifanboy.com slash Amazon. This one's the easiest. I'm not saying choose one. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying... This one, uh, well, if you buy stuff at Amazon, and you do, you should use that link, and we get a piece of it. It doesn't cost you anything. That's really helpful. You can always find a link to buy the books in the Booksplode. You can find a link to find the music that we use on the show and other stuff as it comes up. Bookshop.org aggregates local bookstores for ordering books online. This is about books. You will find those links where we put them on the site. Let's move along. And I, I want to say this is a very not big two episode. This is maybe the most not big two episode ever. I had more indie books than any other company, you know. I think I had four DC books and five Marvel books, and I had like, I don't know, one, two, three, four, five, six, like eight or nine indie books. You know, the Marvel DC books were okay, but the indie books I thought were stellar this week. You've never added a Usagi or Jimbo book to this. I don't think I've ever put it on the list before, no. But you used to always talk about how terrific the one-and-done stories were. And I've, I've read them here and there. I certainly have not read as much Usagi Jimbo as you have. But I've been reading this whole Ice and Snow story. This is part five of five. This is Usagi Jimbo 274. And even though this is part five of this Ice and Snow story, I thought this one particular issue was a really terrific single tale. Mm-hmm. 
And you think after 274 issues, Stan Sakai, who writes, draws, and letters, does everything but the colors, would run out of ideas. But I thought this was great. This was a great little single story, like a samurai horror story Mm -hmm. that I really enjoyed. Yeah. I mean, like, the thing is, is it it can be difficult to talk about one book as being any different or better than the others. Because they all have this sort of level of, they're exactly what you want them to be every time. And it's usually like, not really, no more, no less, but I mean that in the best possible way. And mm-hmm. uh, this has been fun. Like every time I read, you could read any single issue of this ever, and you wouldn't be like, I didn't know what was happening. Because it doesn't matter. <laughs> it genuinely doesn't matter. And that is, a, that is a feature, not a bug. And they reprinted some for a while in color. Mm-hmm. I don't know which ones are old. I don't know which ones are new. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, like it's kind of great. It's one of the closest things to like just pick up a comic book and read it. It does not matter. And you're going to get a great little comic book meal. But yeah, this was a fun story. I just noticed that this is the final issue of Ice and Snow. Next, we're getting Sagi Jimbo, The Crow, part one of five, issue 275, a new storyline. And this is continuing the 40th anniversary of wow. Sagi Jimbo. That's, that's a lot of. The biggest thing here is not that he's still doing it, but he keeps getting people to publish it. And I'm so happy about that. Like, he's like, you think Kurt Busiek did it with with Astro City? Watch what <laughs> I got going on here. I'm sure it was self-published for a really long time when that was a, an easier possibility. And now there's just Terry Moore left going, I can do this. Um, <laughs> you know, Stan Sakai just keeps doing it. And thank goodness for it. I'm surprised to see Blue Book 1947 on this list. Why is that? I think we both read Blue Book number one. I read the first Blue Book series, yes. You read the whole series? Yeah. Yeah, I think Ryan had told me, I didn't, I missed it. Like, I missed a couple of them. Ryan had kind of said what it was, and I actually did go back and read all of them. And it endears James Tinian IV. You know what? There's no other Tinian in comics. I don't want to have to say the whole name. Yeah, but the other James Tinians, that's why he's the fourth. Right. No, I get that, but it's not relevant to the comics. So I don't feel like I should have to say the whole, he's the only one. There's more than one James. I don't think there's any other Tinians, but there's definitely no other James Tinians that I'm aware of. Maybe. There's another James Tinian right now, slaving away at an indie book, is crying as he listens to this. Yeah, I know. I matter too. <laughs> it's a, Yeah, and he's like, I'm the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> How come it has less characters than the fourth? It doesn't make sense. It didn't occur to me that this was Blue Book that was related to the other one. I don't know if I just didn't read the title or whatever. I literally saw 1947 in a plane. I was like, well, I have to check that out. And I was going through it. I was like, this is just like that other book. And I went, oh, it is that other book. It's just a continuation of that idea. And and basically it is a book about, I think these are true stories about how the UFO phenomena and, you know, the, the other one, the book was about sort of the people who first identified the gray aliens, you know, the the thing that we think of as aliens, the alien workshop, skateboard company, alien, that may not be mainstream enough. And then this is about the first guy who identified a flying saucer and then came back to tell the world about it. And then it turned out a lot of other people had seen it too, you know, and both of those stories, the sort of first person to come back and speak about it became... You know, a very big cultural figures one way or yeah, another because for sure they were in no way doubtful about what it was they saw. Mm-hmm. I really like this. I did. There was one egregious left hand panel stacking, but other than that, by Oming, who's a fucking pro. Well, if it's only left handed panel stacking, I mean, the stuff he did with Powers was like, yeah, but you could do that back then. No, there was literally actually. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and give you. If I was an editor, this is what I would have said. So do you have you have this? I don't. 
I did not read oh, it. Oh, you didn't read it. Okay. No. Nope. Well, this isn't going to work then. What? Sorry, <laughs> I thought I was going to have a conversation. Page 14. No. Your monologue. There's a whole thing that it, that it, you're looking at. It's the prospector, and he looks up and he sees. And I was like, I, this whole page and sequence needs to be redone. The page turns to show you the flying saucers in the air. Anyway, I liked it a lot. I'm going to keep reading it. I liked that last series. I was glad to see it come back. And then Ryan got me to read that. He was the one. Who? Ryan Haupt. He, oh. he does the show sometimes. You got to say the whole name. There's a lot of Ryans. Is he Ryan Haupt the second? Is he a junior? I think he might be. I think he might be. Christ, he listens to this. There's something like that, right? Edit this part out. You're doing it. <laughs> Firepower 30. Again, <laughs> another issue where <laughs> if you're subscribed on the Kindle, you're not getting this till next week. This is the final issue of Firepower. Oh, Robert Kirkman and Chris Somney did the entire thing. And I don't think it includes the... Because if you recall, way back then, it came out with a trade paperback and then the yeah. first issue. And it was all surprised. I think it might be more than 30 issues. I don't think it counted that. For some reason in my head, it has always been in graphic novel form. No. But I know that's not true, but that's when I no. think of it, that's my first instinct. It probably would read better that way like a lot of Kirkman books. Mm-hmm. I've always wanted to talk about it more, and, I, and I've talked about it, and even one issue was the pick of the week. But, you know, some books are just not a lot to say. It's like this was a really well-done action-adventure story featuring incredible, lived-in, enveloping art by Chris Somney. Really fun Kirkman-esque adventure that, you know, Kirkman's also really good at that propulsive storytelling where you just keep moving forward. You never really can tell where the issues break when you're reading a trade. And I liked it. He made this nice little family, this nice little martial arts family that came together to defeat a giant dragon that destroyed good parts of the world, including the entire city of Chicago in this book. Even Robert Kirkman's worst series have had excellent structure and character to them. Yeah. And this is not bad. I don't, I don't think this is bad no, at all. No, I know that. I'm just saying, like, if I go back and I, I look at, it was like Super Dinosaur and Astonishing Wolfman, I'm not even saying those are bad, but, mm-hmm. you know, those were... Outcast, but the priest one. I read a lot of that. That was good. It was very different than the other ones, too. There was also that one in the future. I don't know. I've tried all of them. I may have missed one or two in the most recent years, but I'm not sure. I'm very curious to see what Somni does next. He just did 30 issues of this. And it was for years and years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, like longer than if you said, okay, 30, so that's two and a half years. It was way more than that. I believe he said he got burnt out on the big two grind. Yeah. And I believe he also said he had wrist problems. So it'll be interesting to see. I never saw any drop off in the art. The art was always terrific. Always a big selling point in the book. And he's still doing covers. Very possible he'll switch to being a cover guy. You never know. Who knows? Which is too bad. He's been doing a lot of covers with DC. He's an exceptional comic book storyteller. Yeah, I don't want to assume he's going to be because he is one of the best storytellers in comics. Well, if his wrist hurts and he's at a certain level, that's what happens sometimes. But I hope not. Yeah. So I, I liked it. I just wanted to memorialize the end of it. It was very good. If you like action adventure, martial arts, dragons, family drama. Was it the previous issue? The issue before was a real big gut punch of an issue where some main characters got killed. And I really liked the book the whole way through. It was very good. You are probably surprised to see Red Hood colon the hill number one on here. I was until I saw the creative team. Yeah. I think last week I read Red Hood the hill number zero. Oh, you did? I did. I think, was it really light week last week? I think, or I was no. just, yeah, I was. No, 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 it wasn't. It was no, it whatever. I was searching around and I, you know, I'll look through everything and I thought, well, Sean Martinborough is writing that. He's an artist. He drew Detective Comics forever. He's a great artist. Is an art. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. And I thought that's kind of interesting. I just thought, I'll, I'll read a Jason Todd story. Sometimes they're, sometimes they're pretty good. And it wasn't awesome. 
This one? Or zero? No, zero. Oh, okay. It's setting up that there's a neighborhood, the hill. Mm-hmm. It's a primarily a black neighborhood. And there's issues about like gentrification that's happening there. And Jason Todd like used to have an apartment there. And they're like, we told you you should have bought. And because <laughs> all the values are going up. Mm-hmm. And it kind of was about how like the Joker War didn't really touch it. And then mm-hmm. you find that there's sort of a group of vigilantes that were there. And like the villains are like, there's a guy who runs a sneaker store. Mm-hmm. It's a little confusing because there's a lot of new characters and things that go in there. And I don't think it was great, but it was something. I mean, well, this isn't like a lot of the books that I'm reading. And then so I just sort of was like, I decided to just read the next one. I had not noticed that Sanford Green was the artist Mm -hmm. until like I got to the end. I was like, that art was great. And I was like, oh, he didn't draw that last one. He didn't draw zero. No, I don't think so. I'd have remembered that. I read this after you put it on the list. I had skipped Mm -hmm. it. If you needed to read zero, by the way, this should have been two. Well, that was my major complaint about the issue. After you got past the seven-page opening scene, which I thought was really good, mm-hmm. I was yeah. into that opening sequence at the at the diner or the barbecue place or whatever it is. And, you know, this guy who used to be a henchman is now a truck driver. He's talking to the owner and the waitress. This was all terrific character stuff. I thought that all the characters mm-hmm. were really well drawn. I don't mean that by visually. I mean... Writing-wise, I thought they were really interesting. The cryptic old ladies saying cryptic old lady things before a gang of Joker people bust in and try to rob the place, but the old lady takes them and all out like Jason Bourne. And this takes place during or directly after the Joker, the Joker War. War. That has a lot to do with this. It's a flashback. You have to read Zero. Once you got past that, I was completely and utterly lost. And yes. like, as you said, you needed to read Zero, which I think is... I don't, I'm saying this with great respect for Sean Martin Burrow and Sanford Green, but I think that's bullshit. I think if it's a first issue, it's got to stand on its own. If you have to read zero, then make zero one and make one two. They really should have made zero one. And I I I had that thought when I read it. And I'm even... I was lost reading this. I'm barely holding on to who the bad guys actually are. Omar, who is the line cook in the first scene, Mm -hmm. is one of the heavies in a later scene. And I didn't understand that. The main female character, her sister, is a TV. Like she has like a local, like a New York one. Mm-hmm. TV show. Right. And that's not really explained in here because I don't think she shows up. She has the meeting, right? She has because she interviewed some dude and yeah, but Demetrius. the whole thing happened to her in the last issue. And the finally, one of the last things is that like I don't really know who Jason Todd is, but I kind of like him in his current mm. form. There's something that's really interesting about him because they don't make him cartoonishly violent anymore. He's sort of grown up past it. You know, he's the other son coming from a completely different direction. But there is a scene like they have a housewarming party. And I was like, Jason Todd isn't having a housewarming party. And then basically the one lady is like, can I spend the night? (laughs) I mean, like indirectly. And then he does. If you didn't read Zero, I was lost. Yeah. I was lost. And not following the scene to scene dynamics. Like I could, you know, I understood what was going on. And and I understood, you know, the whole Jason Todd's bit who seems to be shoehorned in here just to sell the book. Yes. But... The really important stuff, like who all the vigilantes were, who they were fighting, who the dramatic elements were, that was completely lost because it wasn't at all explained because it happened in Zero. And I don't understand how that still happens in these days. I only know who the one, the girl. I don't know who the rest of them are. I don't think they've shown us. I was really bummed. I thought it looked great. Sanford Green is terrific. He's, yeah. uh, you know, I don't say messy, but it's a, almost a sketchy, loose. loose style that I really like. Free. Works yeah, really he's well. Great. I, uh, I was disappointed because I wanted to like it. Mm-hmm. After that first scene, I was like, oh, this is very good. And then I went, oh, now I don't like it. And it was a bummer. Read that first one. Just because you spent the time already. 
those are the books we want to talk about. But uh, iFanboy, nope. At patreon.com slash iFanboy, every patron gets to vote to add a book to the rundown. That's called the patron pick. This week it was getting kind of hairy because at about three hours till the end of the vote, it was a five-way tie, which would have been interesting. We would have picked one randomly to pick, made that the pick. But a bunch of votes came in at the very end for Sinister Sons, number one from DC Comics. Yeah, just some votes. <laughs> it must have happened on the Facebook group because I didn't see anything, any talk about it in the Discord. Three or four votes came in at the very end. Peter J. Tomasi on writing duty, David Lafuente on art, Tamara Bonvillon on colors, and Rob Lee was doing your letters. Ultimately, I'm never going to complain about having to look at David Lafuente art because I like it a lot, even though his stuff has sort of yes, it has. matured from more sketchy to more solid line cartoony. I still really like it. I still like looking at it. Let's do, are you sticking with it? Ratings. Really? I don't want to talk about this book. <laughs> so I thought for sure that this was a book about Damien uh, for whatever reason. Well, that's the other and book. I thought, that's Super Sons. This is like the companion book to that book. I get it. And I just thought they're just trying to stick it to Connor. I think... That book is about Damien and Jonathan. This book is right. about the son of General Zod and the son of Sinestro. Sinson. Sinson and... Something some, Zod. Something Zod. Something haircut Zod. <laughs> Stupid haircut Zod. Okay, the Zod kid is just uh-huh. Damien. Yes. from It's just early Damien. It's exactly the same thing. He's entitled, yeah. smart, has too much power, blah, 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 can beat anybody. I don't understand the Sinestro kid thing. Like, I don't know if he, he's just obsessed with him and thinks he's Sinestro's son. This is kind of similar to Red Hood, where there's even an editor's note about this. To read Th- Running Green through Lantern. the back of the last several issues of Green Lantern has been this backup story. It says here mm-hmm. on page... Uh, Page six. I saw it. I saw the note, yeah. Green Lantern 4 through 7 had this backup story, the same creative team about Sinestro's son. I read the first part. I made it halfway through the second part, and I just stopped reading it and started just looking at the mm-hmm. art because I didn't care about the kid or the story or anything. So, Did LaFuente draw that? Yes, it was the same creative oh, okay. team. Here's the telling part. Sure. If I'm reading a comic and I tap on the screen to see how many pages are left, yeah. that is like looking at my watch in the movie theater. Yeah. So... I did that about page 10 here. That's what I was like, oh, geez, we got a lot more. So the problem here right away is that I don't like or care about either of these characters. I don't really have a context for where they are or what they're doing. I understood Zod's thing, you know, like his his dad banished him. Apparently they had a fight. They did, you know, Pete Tomasi, he's an old pro. He's a vet. Like, I wasn't lost. I got what was going on. But I didn't want to spend any time with them. I didn't want either of them to win or, in fact, lose. I'm not going to tell you it's bad. No, no, no. This was not a badly made comic. The no. art was terrific. I really liked it's the okay. camera. There was something different about it. Like, it's too produ- like it's too colored now. Well, I thought the colors were kind of similar to Petrolhead. Right, but they didn't look the way that it, it was just too smooth. It feels very much like, and I don't know if this is true, but I'm just assuming that Digitally drawing, smoothed out La Fuente's art. That's just my assumption. But mm-hmm. I still like it. I think it's got an interesting character. It doesn't, no one else draws like him in mainstream comics. Sure. I think if you're doing a book and the protagonists are bad guys, they've got to at least be really entertaining like Doctor Doom. They've got to be kind of funny. Charismatic. If they're just assholes, I don't want to read it. I gave Tomasi some credit. Is that I didn't really understand where the Sinestro kid was coming from. It, like he became a crime lord or whatever, but then he'd walk out of the room and act like he was doing something. Like, but he was also really nice to everybody. And I was like, "What is? Well, he's nice to his, his people. Deal? His people. I guess. His, uh, I don't know his, his deal. Is he faking it? 
Like, is he faking being I just a bad don't guy? remember if he really is the son or not. I think he is. He's trying to get off the planet so that he can go find his dad and prove that he is the son of... He, the whole thing in the beginning was he was baking that needle gun so he can he can steal Sinestro's blood to do a blood test. Uh-huh. Does that work with Corrigarians? Corrigarians? Corrigans? Corgis? <laughs> I just didn't care about anything that happened in yeah. the book. It I was not a memorable book. Well, here's a question. Mm-hmm. Who's this for? Is it supposed to be for kids? No. Is it supposed to like attract like the young like oh they're they're like young like me because it, it no if that was it's the case, clearly would... not written by someone who understands them it's written for fifty year old men it's written for the comic audience it's not for kids that's what I said yeah <laughs> it's for us Josh it isn't though like I don't know who it's for I don't know what reader no. is like this is the thing I'm missing they just both some pleasant characters and i'm not reading the zod book even though it's joe casey i'm just not interested in that no i i yeah i couldn't do it so i don't have the background on this character or why his hair is so stupid it's very stupid but stupid hair is a thing now i just don't care i'm much more interested in sinestro's son because at least there's some like i don't know what it is but like the zod one is like this is just damien i don't care. i'm gonna tell you overall i have a problem with a bunch of kryptonians running around yeah, we've said that before. There's too many of them. It dilutes Superman. And I know that the story is always then like, well, yeah, but Superman's the good one. And that's actually what makes him powerful. Well, so is his cousin, but now his son and now his... But uh, if you have like a limitless number of these other people who are just as powerful, that's a problem. And it's it's evidenced here is because the, you know, the kid goes, he just takes over the planet. Yeah, you know? I, I've never been in favor of it. It was fine to have Zod and sure. what's her name? Being like in the Phantom Zone and occasionally break out, but that's okay. But you know, when they introduce the whole planet of them, even Argo is fine because it's in that tiny bottle and they're never, yep. they're never getting out. But when they introduce the new Krypton and there's a whole planet of them, and then they brought back his dad and his dad was an asshole. Like all these things are just diluting what makes Superman interesting. If he's the last son of Krypton, that's one of his nicknames. Yeah, he's more interesting. If he's sad all the time because he's the last son of Krypton, that's what makes him interesting. He's isolated, but he's beloved, yeah. and he's not from Earth. He's an alien. The thing is that the universe filled with Kryptonians was done by Robert Kirkman, and it was excellent. And yep. none of these are as good as this, and they throw off the balance in the universe. You can get away with it because you just forget they're there. But They want to be able to punch people, and I get it, but he can punch other people. Yeah, he can punch Mongol, and he can punch Darkseid, and he can punch, right. you know. yeah, Punch this kid with his dumb haircut. Yeah, he should punch the other side of it and even it up. <laughs> Let's do ratings on... Well, first, are you sticking with Sinister Stunts? No. No. Ratings out of five. Ratings. Two. It's hard. It's a competently made comic book. It's a well... It's it's written. But it like, was if you so go by your, interesting. Your, your standard of does it set out to be what it is, then it should be a high rating. But I just didn't yeah, think it was Yeah, but what it is is like it ultimately like did it interest me? Did it grab me? Did it give me anything? No. So for me as a reader... It's a failure. Going down the middle, two and a half stars out of five. That's very generous of you because you didn't enjoy it at all. I like the art though. Okay. But even the art, like I was excited about seeing La Fuente, but I was like, this doesn't feel like it did when it was Ultimate Spider-Man. So I ultimately felt a little let, ultimately, a little let down by it. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not the same because it's not as sketchy as it was. Yeah. Again, I don't know he's around digitally. Almost everybody is. That's a good assumption. But digital has smoothed the edges out of almost all the people that had interesting, sketchy styles. It doesn't have to, though, because a lot of people can still do that. I think of Raphael Albuquerque, who used to have a similar kind of sketchy style. Yeah. And has a very sort of heavy line, smooth style. Like, it just mm-hmm. seems to smooth everybody out. Yeah. I mean, some people really make it work, and others, what was we reading? There was something where we were like, this has to be digital, but it can't. But 
I mean, some people can do that thing really well. Other people, I have a feeling that a lot of those sketchy people didn't want to be sketchy. So when they got to digital, they were like, no, I can get rid of it. And we were like, no, that's what made you good. You know? Or at least interesting or unique. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. Every patron gets a vote to add a book to the rundown. But if you give up the $5 or higher level, you get a superpower live on the show. Like John Launder. John Launder is the ultimate distraction. Meaning... <laughs> If you have them with you on your heist or whatever, you send them out there, it's like, you know, you got everybody looking one way while you go the other way. People can't help but be distracted by him. He's the ultimate distraction. That's interesting because that could go in all sorts of ways. Sure. It's very useful in many different scenarios. Or not useful. You don't want him in the room where people are taking the DMV test. (laughs) Or like, 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 oh man, what happened? Fucking John was in my SAT class. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't study a thing. Right, like he's not allowed to go to the library, right, or, or to the comedy OR. shows. Yeah, he's definitely right. you, keep, you keep his ass out of the dentist at all costs. <laughs> right, right. What was ah? Sorry, I was distracted. <laughs> but if you're robbing a bank, mm-hmm. send him in. You get them all looking one way, and you yeah. go the other. Are they able to be undistracted by him while he's still there? I feel like he has to be able to turn it on and off because otherwise. It would wreck his life. So we have to say it's okay. a power he can enable. Oh, okay. Huh. I don't want to wreck his life. Distraction is a word that has so many possible connotations. Sure. Like my, when you say distraction, I'm instant. The first thing I think is is a negative. But you were thinking of it as as how it could be useful, yeah. usually in nefarious situations. Well, I'm always, you know, it could be on the battlefield, you know. You could be <laughs> wait, like, wait, send, wait. Them, send them You're out. You're always and, what? Are you always planning capers? No, I'm always thinking of these powers in the context of comic book adventuring. You know, how can they okay. be used yeah. in these kind of stories? If there was a big fight, you know, close fight the Brotherhood of Evil that Mutants, kind of thing. You could you could distract them, you know. Send Wolverine through the back. Right. It's kind of painting a target on his back. <laughs> like he could distract he's a target, them, but he's ultimately it doesn't mean he's not gonna target. get sh- he's not gonna get shot just because he's a distraction. <laughs> he's wearing a giant yellow cape. Yeah. He's a target. <laughs> That's literally it, though. It's not supernatural. He's just, he puts on that big cape and people just <laughs> he puts can't. puts on a big yellow up. cape and a red tunic and he's distraction. <laughs> Thanks for being a patron, John. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. If you give it the $5 higher level, you can get super hard like John. We can do one of these, I think. It's up to you. Let's do Jeff Reed is quickest. He's our old columnist, Jeff Reed, who says, I'm nearing the end of an epic first reading of Peter David's complete 1987 to 1998 run on The Incredible Hulk. I have many thoughts on it, but that's not why I'm writing. Why not? I'm curious. I've never read that run. Jeff says, I want to know what to read next. Here are my options. Should I read The New Teen Titans from 1980 to 1988, stopping as it becomes The New Titans? George Perez's One Woman Run from 1986 to 1992? Or Christopher Priest's Black Panther from 1998 to 2003? Which is most deserving of my time next? Here's a question now. Yep. Is the approach to read something because of its place in history or because of its quality i think both you know knowing jeff jeff used to write a dc histories column for us it was very good he's very much into comics history it is shocking that he's not read the first one that's why i'm leaning towards that one that's the one that's the most he does say tend to like more silver agey style wholesome okay that's where it gets you know little naughty bits in there with the terminator and Terra. this is like the sort of bridge between, I guess, Bronze Age it's Bronze and Age Modern sure, yeah. Age. Yeah. It just kisses the line over into 1988 where things were changing after post-crisis and post-Watchmen. Yeah, post but it's Earth still going to have that. It's still mostly Bronze Age. It's going to have that 80s feel to it. 
Oh, 100%. To George Perez run, that's pure post-crisis. Have you read that? I've got that run and the Titans run in omnibus form. And you've read them? I've read all the Teen Titans one. I haven't read all the George Perez one yet. I've never read the Christopher Priest Black Panther run, so I'm going to eliminate that one from the list. I am too, but what I would tell you about that is we were there at the time. I'm pretty (laughs) sure I tried it back then. I'm sure you did. Was that a Marvel Knights book? Yes, it was. It was a Marvel Knights book. It was the fourth, I think, of the original launch. I'm trying to remember. So it was Inhumans, Daredevil, Black Panther. Punisher? Ghost Rider? Punisher was later. I don't remember Ghost Rider one way or another. It was a book that I remember reading a lot that it was critically acclaimed, but I don't remember anybody talking about it. Marvel Knights was Black Panther, Daredevil, Inhumans. Those are the three launch books. Okay, yeah. Interesting. I didn't at the time because I didn't know a thing about Black Panther. And I think when I tried to read it, I was like, I don't, I don't know what this is. It's oh, and The Punisher. It was Black Panther, Daredevil, and the Humans, and the Punisher. It was the Angel Punisher at first. Yeah. It was the, a terrible, yeah. terrible Punisher. Christopher run. Golden. Yeah. Yeah. Punisher was just a mini. The other ones were ongoing. I can't speak to the Black Panther one because I've literally never heard anybody mention it other than at the time, I got the sense that there was some group of people who really liked it. But... Mm. I don't think you can go wrong with the new Teen Titans or Wonder Woman, but I think as a comics historian, especially a DC comics historian, I think you need to read the new Teen Titans run. It was the second most popular book in the 80s after Adam Kenny X-Men. It was a seminal DC story. A lot of important things happened in there, including Dick Grayson going from Robin to Nightwing and Wally West retiring the Kid Flash mantle, becoming the Flash in Crisis. There's a lot of important things that happened in there. So I think mm-hmm. that's the one you got to go for. And also, a lot of that stuff still resonates today, you know, with the Teen Titans Go and with the, right. you know, like oh, a, yeah, I mean, a the, lot the, of... Oh, yeah, I mean, the Titans lineup is the lineup from that book. Yeah, yeah. We even did a book explode on the first volume, didn't we? I didn't. I've never read it. You sure? I think we did. I didn't. I promise. Unless I'm wrong. Wait, I, we did read, because there was the, the, the weird girl. Yeah, we, we did that. Okay, you're fair. Yeah, you're book right. 47. We did the Judas Contract, which was the... That wasn't the long ago. Story. <laughs> that was uh when was that black panther's weird in that list it's weird like it just doesn't it's, seem it, like it the kind of it, it's thing it's not like the others it different era completely different era and it, it i don't know i don't know that's a weird choice like there's other marvel stories that i would like armor wars or right. you know Ooh, atlantis yeah. attacks or whatever you'd want a bronze age 80s marvel yes. books in that yeah unless these are the ones he owns and he's just looking for it yeah. we did that book two years ago the Jewish tell you what I'd like him to read Black Panther and report back. All right. I'd like to hear his thoughts on Incredible Hulk. There you go, Jeff. You have a homework assignment. It's just too big. It's Jeff, an 11 give us a year thousand run. words on Incredible Hulk. Read, and then read John Byrne's Fantastic Four. Ooh. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. But I'd say Titans. Go for Titans. We should do like a year-long Booksplode project. Whoa. Where we do like this year we're doing Incredible Hulk and would we be able to pull that off? interesting that's an interesting idea or we could just say we were already pretty far into gi joe <laughs> <laughs> i started volume four i've had a hard time finding time to it's very busy i just do one issue a night mm-hmm. tomax and zamot and flint and lady J. they finish each other sentences thank you thank you <laughs> I, I have interestingly noticed and i know that we keep finding ways to talk about it but even though they introduced duke hawk is still getting way more screen time than Duke is in the book. It's interesting. It looks... So much so that I think it's Duke because they look exactly the same. They both are blonde guys with crew cuts and they're in charge, but Duke's hardly in the book at this point. I want to know the story of how Duke became Hawk 
in the cartoon. Well, you know. The comic came out first. Were they trying to goose sail? You know, okay. They probably wanted to goose sails on Duke because the only way you could get Hawk... Was to buy that vehicle. To buy the vehicle. But as we learned, they made the bulk of their money from the vehicles. Right. And so you would think that they would want to goose sails on that, although... Hawk's probably the wrong choice for that. They should, should put Scarlet right. with the vehicle. That first line, that first wave was pretty fucking uninspiring. <laughs> They're all in green suits. I kind of respect it. Also, in Volume 3, you got a Marie Severin drawn issue. Like, Volume 3's got it all, man. It's good. We just met Spirit Iron Knight for the first time. Pour one out for Quinn. That's all I'm saying. He had a code. I texted this to you, but they can't decide what Snake Eyes looks like under the mask. Sometimes he's got a horribly charred, burned face that terrifies people. Other times he just looks like a regular dude with a hat that you can't see his face. So the regular dude one's not like a flashback? No. That was current in the book. That's odd. Yeah, they just keep forgetting. Uh, He went on like leave and he was hanging out in his cabin and then Cobra attacks and that was what that panel I sent you was from. They just can't figure it out what they want to do. You know what you'd get for that back then? You got no prize. Yeah. All right, Jeff, read the New Teen Titans. Thanks for writing in. Contact at fanboy.com. Also, you can write in for our Media Splood show. We got some really terrific Media Splood emails that we didn't end up getting to use in the last show because we went super long on one of the segments. But we'll either do them soon or there'll be a mailbag pretty soon. So just keep writing them in. There's been really good ones. Let's plug some shows. Our last special edition show was the Justice League Crisis on Infinite Earths Part 1 review show. That is several weeks back in the feed. Just because some people have asked, we are not reviewing Madam Web. I don't think we've done any of the Sony Spider-Mans except for... Venom. First Venom. The first Venom. And that was like a lark. We didn't do Mobius, and we're not doing Craven, and we're not definitely not doing Madam Web. We're not doing it. I gotta say, I'm barely able to recognize the existence of those things. <laughs> so... So doing a show is really... Life is too short. It really is. Yeah. This past yeah, week, we true. had our media explode come out where we ranked the best picture nominees at the Oscars... But mostly we talked about the shows we've been watching and enjoying. That took up two-thirds of the show instead mm, of the customary third. But it was a fun conversation. Here's what I want to tell you about the Talksplode. Yep. I'm making some big reaches right now. Yeah, Josh, I think we should just tell everyone. You you emailed Jerome Powell, chairman of the <laughs> uh, Federal Reserve. <laughs> and I've been trying to get an interview with uh, Mayorkas. Yeah. But things got real, real hairy there for a bit. Josh wants to get down to the bottom of the uh, whole inflation issue. I think I can solve this thing, and I think it starts with left-hand panel stacking. <laughs> so Josh is going to take some big swings and see what happens this year. But we, we yeah, I'm taking some big swings, here. and I can't double up my swings because I don't want to get two big people saying yes at the same time. So right. There's an art to this for me. Working on it. You'll have one. You'll have one. You'll get it. Right. You know, so if like Jerome Powell it. says yes, you don't also want Anthony Blinken to say yes. What are you going to do? Talk to the Federal Reserve Chair or the Secretary of State? I don't know. I know it's late, and I can't keep up with this particular line of comedy. <laughs> right, we'll go to the next segment. <laughs> you can find our library of over 1,300 shows and counting at ifanbar.com or wherever podcasts are sold, distributed, downloaded, or otherwise bartered. Who trades podcasts? <laughs> I'll trade you Who Killed JFK for the big dig. <laughs> Those are some I'm listening to. <laughs> Follow at iFanboyComics on Instagram to find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out. This show here, so you would have heard about it already and been prepared. Sometimes you'll find the best of the week in panels there. You can follow us individually on Instagram at CSCO Patrick and J.A. Flanagan. We have the same format of our name, and that was unplanned. YouTube. We are <laughs> old school YouTubers. Are we not? 
We are. We were YouTubers before there were YouTubers. Before this, the term even came about. You couldn't make a living at it until later. Our YouTube page, youtube.com slash ifanboy. You can find this show there every week as well as uh, hundreds of video shows we did 20 years ago. No, not that long ago. No. 15. 13 years Ugh. ago. I mean, we started in... I mean, 18. 2007? We started in 06, dude. 18 years ago. 18. Well, it's not 20. It's close. It isn't 20. <laughs> so That's what's important is that it So you can find 20. all those shows. There's hundreds of them there. It will be 20 before we even know it. <laughs> and that is the day I walk the fuck away. So, yeah. Subscribe to our YouTube oh channel. God. Like and hit the bell, the bell, whatever the fuck the bell does. And In my mind, that's about eight years ago. No, God, no. It's like, I know that, but like, that's how I get by is to go, I don't know. We did that sometime in the last 10 years. And now what we just did was we shattered everything. Yeah, you're right. And it was 2006. And we're kind of, we're still doing this. Because 2007, isn't that when we did the minis? I mean, we went full time in eight, and I don't think we were able to do the minis before then. No, you were and, we? you're right. It was 2008. 2008 is where we did it full time for real. And, we did the minis, yeah. That was when the minis were, but the sort 2008 of was the minis. That was the high. Was that, was the, that was the high point of our output. Seven shows a week. Seven shows a week. I mean, we did, yeah, we did that for a good amount of time too. So for a year, we did seven shows a week yeah. for a year. No Heiser nomination. Subscribe to. What are they? Uh, <laughs> leave a star rating <laughs> or, or review or Emmy. <laughs> Apple Podcasts, Spotify. By the way, it's been 18 years. Still no podcasting Eisner or it's not happening now. Consideration or anything. What do we do with these things that have been around for a fucking generation? Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcast. I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. But Josh is tired and I'm hungry. So thanks for listening. I'm Connor. I'm Josh. You really can't get over that Eister thing. Fucking bullshit. <laughs> I talked to him. I know. I had the conversation. I know. That's why I know it's bullshit. <laughs> we don't have time to listen to him. You have time to read a lot of bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> All you ever read was the comics reporter, let's be honest.